0: Hello there. Welcome back to your favorite storytelling podcast, Tales from a Cult Insider. I am your insider, Jared Garrett. I'm here to talk about my childhood growing up in the Process Church of the Final Judgment, which, as you know by now, if you've come this far, was a pretty notorious cult in the UK and ended up in the US after some travels through Canada and Central America. The cult did morph over the years after starting in the 60s, into Best Friends Animal Society, which is in southern Utah. They're not a cult anymore, unless you call dog food and cat food being regularly put into bowls, uh, religion. Which you could. It'd be weird. Okay. So, as always, your questions will be answered. You can reach out and contact me at jared at jaredgarrett.com. Find me on Twitter. I like to chat with folks on Twitter. It's fun. It's not such a huge pit of evil as a lot of people might tell you. Uh, I'm just Jared Garrett there, it's last name G-A-R-R-E-T-T, and you can also just email me again or find me on Facebook, or I don't know, send a carrier pigeon, or I don't know, an owl from Hogwarts, whatever. You're a wizard, Harry. Anyway, uh, I'm happy to answer questions, uh, come and visit your, your group, whatever, I can talk people's ears off and hopefully people enjoy it. I know people enjoy it. Uh, I used to do public speaking for Amazon. In fact, I trained account executives in the advertising uh, division on public speaking and leading good conversations with their, uh, you know, the principals of the companies they were trying to sell advertising to. That was a good time. Got to travel around. Fun times. Okay. So let's jump right in. Today is episode 14, part one. Uh, The episode title, as you saw, is I Had a Big Problem, part one. That's right, there, there's at least a part two, there may be a part three, we'll see how it goes. But before we get into the uh, the episode, I have a question to answer, and I probably need to state something at the outset, which I'll repeat uh, later in the episode, and let me also um, point out that I've listened to a few of the episodes lately, and I will try to talk not quite as slow, but hey guys, you should be you should have me on 1.5 speed. Uh, A little less uh, expression in my voice, but uh, at least it's a little faster. Or you could listen to it at normal speed, you know, if you just love my mellifluous tones. i will go with just a teeny bit faster. And I'm going to try to keep this a little more honed, although it's still completely unscripted beyond a title and maybe a note or two here so I don't forget stuff. Okay, the question is from Brian in Oregon. And this is a big question with an answer I'm not going to get too deeply into except for to be just really straightforward. He asks, why did you join another church after growing up in a cult? What a fine question, Brian. Uh, because. I know that's a terrible answer. I'm not really going to say that. I hate it when my kids say because. They rarely do. They usually say, I don't know, or nobody, um, or they say nothing at all. What I ask who uh, left the milk out uh, or didn't load their dish- dishes in the dishwasher. Why did I join another church after growing up in a cult? It's a, it's a big question, a good one. It's because I wanted to. I, I certainly didn't when I left the cult. I got out of the cult and had uh, sworn off God, sworn off religion. And I felt like I'd actually had a bit of a part to play in the bringing down of that cult. Although that's certainly imagination. Uh, I, I, I felt like um, actually when I encountered, you know, Kanab, which is where I moved to after getting out, I found a lot of members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints uh, called themselves Mormons or LDS, but I thought those were two different things uh, until I was disabused of that notion one day in a car. It was hilarious. And then, um, but I thought, hey, I brought down a cult. Let me bring down this church. What a vaunted high opinion of myself. I had mercy. Um, yeah, to get to your question, Brian, sorry. No, sorrys. whatever. No apologies here. I joined the church, this church, because I uh, found a home. Uh, I was on a journey, although I didn't realize it. I mean, I guess we're all on a journey. It turns out I was looking for something, uh, and uh, I found that something on a hilltop one day, unexpectedly. Uh, It wasn't an actual object, but it was a a meaning and a depth to life that I hadn't really realized was there. I found companionship in um, an external force, which I call God. Uh, and it led me to here. So uh, that's why I joined this church because my heart was changed um, and I chose to go with that change. I think we all can, you know, make those choices when those uh, experiences happen. Life is full of choices, we are agents unto ourselves, and that's why I joined it. And it's who I am, really. I mean, I believe, I'm a believer. Even though I'm a firm, firm skeptic, I have chosen to believe those things that have been made very clear to me as true. Uh, And that's that. So let's get into today's lesson or lesson. (laughs) I'm not teaching you a lot. You you know what? Maybe there'll be some lessons here for you guys. Uh, Let's do the caveat and then I still can't remember how to say that. I think it's caveat. And then we'll get into it. And it's not even a caveat. It's a disclaimer or even... I'm not sure what to call it. Here it is. Um, It wasn't my fault what happened to me. Um, That's a teaser, isn't it? But it wasn't my fault what happened to me and what we're going to get to in this story over these next uh, couple of episodes. The victim is not to blame. I did put myself in a situation where an opportunity could be taken. uh, But the fact that an opportunity was taken and I became a victim of something um, was not my fault. It was the fault entirely of the person who did it. Uh, So please understand if you have been hurt, if you have been assaulted, uh, somebody has, uh, damaged you, hurt you, um, made you feel uncomfortable, make you not just with their words, because words can make you feel uncomfortable. And I'm sorry if they do, but, uh, we need to get over it. Um, I know that sounds callous. We can get into that another time. Maybe I'll start another podcast about how to be a nuanced speaker, but, um, any assaults, if you are hurt or somebody has been aggressive to you, that's on them. We, are, we all own our choices. We own our actions. Uh, I am not uh, at fault for being, for what happened to me. But let's talk about this now. Okay. I had a big problem. Part one. So, when I was younger, I found myself flying off the handle more than a little bit. And it's interesting now to see my, one of my children who tends to have also a bit of a temper. He flies off the handle pretty quick. And I was about his age when I started noticing just how badly I flew off the handle. I lost my temper a lot. I would get into, uh, I'd shout immediately. I'd get really emotional. um, Like Lin-Manuel Miranda has in his uh, song, I wrote my way out. Oversensitive defenseless. Anyway, so. I was oversensitive, but I reacted poorly when things didn't go my way or I was challenged on something. Um, And I would just lose my temper. I would turn it into a shouting match. I would turn it into a screeching uh, or I'd cry, uh, which was a a form of me losing my temper um, in a way. But too often, my temper being lost was me being angry and losing control of um, the way I... kind of worked with my emotions, the way I handled my emotions, I didn't, I certainly wasn't facing them. I wasn't acknowledging them. I wasn't saying, I have a temper. Here is my anger. Let's figure out what to do with that anger. I was simply losing my temper. And in that, I was losing people and I was losing myself because I am not angry. Nobody is angry. We are not anger. Your anger don't doesn't define you. Your emotions don't define you. Uh, but anger was defining me so this often resulted in fights um, more than a few fights honestly uh, I, I threw a lot of punches as a young kid, as a youngster a lot uh, too often at the kids I was growing up with actually uh, one of those kids was named Manuel now let me just pause this is not an advertisement Manuel came over with his, his, his lady Shannon and they had dinner with us not too long ago, they live not here in Utah uh, we get along we get along fine um, we didn't when we were younger, I didn't like him, uh, much, you know, I, it's, it's partly because I was a jerk and I didn't empathize with people in different situations and with different temperaments, but he, he, he struck me as a whiner, uh, and really passive, um, and just kind of a lamo. And he also struck me as privileged. He was being lame, erased by his, his, his parents, even though he was in the cult and he was still subject to much of what the rest of us kids were. Subject too. but I I didn't I didn't like him much at all, uh, so we got in fights kind of a lot and um, most of the arguments. But every so often I threw a punch or two. One time I threw a punch at him, on a on a playground I think at Vanderhoof Elementary in Arvada. Um, he was yelling at me about something and I jumped off my swing and I slugged him, right upside the face. Um, it felt good on the wrong level, right? I mean on that level of. Uh, anger and seeing other people as objects or people upon which I can, uh, exert my will. It felt good, but in the deeper level on the levels that really matter, um, it felt bad and I knew it was wrong. Uh, and then, you know, fights in here and there throughout the, you know, growing up. Um, and I would also get in fights with Mark. Now, when I would throw punches and fight with people, I wouldn't lose control of my physical, um, Actions. I wouldn't like go all out trying to murder somebody or really, really badly hurt. I would just swing or something or scream or uh, wrestle a bit. Um, and then it would end. And I, I did, wasn't trying to hurt so much as I was trying to just impose my will and show them how angry they'd made me so they would just back off and fear me. That's not a way to live life. Uh, so Manuel was the received some of that. It wasn't his fault. It was me. Uh, Mark got a bit of that, but I got more from him. Uh, he, boy, that kid, he would scrap as if, you know, he just wanted to tear my eyes out or, or do some real damage. And he really did. He, I got many scrapes from his fingernails, um, and other pointy parts. Uh, never a bite as far as I can recall, but definitely a chin sometimes, <laughs> um, and lots of elbows and, uh, knuckles and feet and knees. Uh, yeah, he, he could be really vicious when he fought, um. Got in a lot of arguments with Isaac, but I, we didn't ever uh, throw fit punches at each other. Got in a lot of fights throughout the years, and I was beginning to notice at around age ten or eleven that this was happening a lot, and I um, didn't like it, uh, but I didn't know what to do about it. Uh, but then I was in focus class at faith school, and we talked about focus class before, where one of the things that we would do, one of these steps that we would do, there was a step. They called it a step but it was just an exercise was sitting across from someone and being completely dispassionate expressionless no emotions not laughing as you stare somebody in the eyeballs Um, mark would do his best to pull faces and i had my work cut out for me to not you know laugh at him or being make a comment or something so um that was good for me i think it, it started to show me that i could have a little bit more control over myself but it wasn't enough um i'd already been gotten into some major trouble before that so but that was a good start at me finding, starting to find some inner ability to set aside the emotion and really school my um, expression and really school my voice and really be in control, be in the driver's seat about my body and what I did with it and the way I expressed my emotions. And in some cases, the way I just simply didn't express emotions. Okay, let's get to a specific event. Um, and here it is. So in Denver... Uh, I moved there when I was about eight, seven or eight. Uh, I moved there in third grade, uh, about halfway through third grade and, um, moved into a school called garden place elementary, which I I doubt is still there. Maybe it is, uh, had a good time. I was successful as a student there because I hadn't been become entirely pissed off at everything. Like I talked about in the hot dogs and beans and stuff, um, I was still, you know, fine with school and I didn't feel like I was being completely controlled yet. I was a little young, too, to really, really grasp what was going on in my life, although I knew it was weird. Um, yeah, so garden place there. Uh, I was living in the same house as Mark and Manuel, who were uh, firmly Denver kids. Manuel's parents were the leaders of that branch, Anne and Anne and Cyrus. Uh, and uh, Mark's mom was firmly a big part of the, the cult there, the, the branch there. She was kind of a... L- a foot soldier you could call her she was nice and sweet and um, she could yell but she was still nice and sweet and then um, that was it us three we were the three boys we were the boys and uh, we got in plenty of fights got in plenty of mischief but it was usually Mark and me that would do things and man, leave Manuel out because we didn't like him very much and um, that resulted in overall just a, not, a, not a very close relationship with Manuel certainly I mean not really with Mark either although we got along better um, just for lack of another play uh, playmate and person to hang out with um, but yeah I just never felt like connected with Manuel at all uh, we'd get in arguments all the time he was trying to learn to play the guitar by then I think at that point. and point uh, that irritated me too I didn't have a guitar no other kids that I knew had a guitar uh, but yeah, he did and he was trying to do that stuff And one time after moving from downtown Denver essentially to Arvada Uh, I was in fourth grade we were in fourth grade at the time at Vanderhoof and uh, I uh, so so the place we lived at this is important for the whole story the place we lived at was uh, kind of a sprawling space there was a garden in the back there was there were two main houses one in the front separated by a big and one in the back and in between them was a fairly expansive yard certainly expansive from my small eyes if I went back now and found it there I don't think it's there but if I did, I would probably say, oh, it's much smaller than I thought. But when you're mowing it and raking it, it feels pretty big when you're running around. And there was a garden in the back there near the, the, the back house. There was also another outbuilding, which is where celebrations were and other uh, meetings. That's where the big dining room was for the adults. <clears throat> and so um, that's where we lived. And one day, Manuel and I got in a big fight. Okay, so that. Well, like I'm saying, it was a big fight, um, bigger than our usual ones. Lots of yelling, lots of shouting. Probably there weren't many adults around, or they would have intervened and probably separated us. Um, Anne was probably in the middle of something, and no other adults were really around, except for maybe Lucina and possibly uh, Evelyn, actually, because she was there for a while. I don't remember if she was still there at the time. So um, we got in a a pushing match, and uh, then... We kind of slugged it out and shoved each other around, and uh, man, he ticked me off. He, he could play dirty, or he could fight dirty sometimes. And so I shoved him pretty hard, and uh, I think I tripped him on purpose, and he, and he sat pretty hard on the ground. But then he curled up and started whining and dribbling and screaming at me about stuff. And man, I just, I was so infuriated. My head kind of got hot, my vision went red, my cheeks were hot. It was bad news, right? Uh, and so, man, I aimed a kick at his side. I was like, I'm going to take you down. And so I aimed this kick at Manuel's side. And have you ever been that angry where you feel like you're going to break him? You're going to break whoever it is has done this to you, who's just making you so mad? That's how angry I felt. But we all have a moment or more where we can stop and we can make a different choice, right? And so just in the last moment before I really swung that kick at him, I pulled it. And I really just tapped his side. And I'm not trying to be de- defend myself at all. I shouldn't have done it. And it was probably a little harder than my memory serves, right? But I know it wasn't that hard because I knew that I could really hurt him. And I didn't have any actual desire to hurt uh, Manuel. I really wanted him to know how much he pissed me off, how angry I was at him, how much I disliked him. I probably hated him at the moment. I hate that word. Ooh, I hate that. Thing. I keep saying hate. But yeah, so I did, I did swing a kick at him with my right foot wearing sneakers And I did impact him, but it wasn't that hard, even though I shouldn't have done it at all. And uh, Manuel, if you're listening, sorry. Um, And what I'm about to talk about may be a surprise to you. So I um, swung the kick, and apparently Anne had just come out, and she saw me do that. And in her mind, clearly I had just wailed on her son, right? Right. And Manuel, of course, broke out crying. I would have, too, I'm sure, if somebody had kicked me. Um, But, again, there was no injury, right? There's no... And if I'd kicked as hard as I could, it would have been a major injury. So, but again, don't defend yourself anymore, Jared. There we go. I kicked him. Shouldn't have. Anne saw it. Freaked right out. Just flew off everywhere. I mean, her head exploded, you could say. Kind of like anger in Inside Out, that rather uh, annoying film. Um, and that makes it seem like emotions run everything and they do in a way, but boy, howdy, we should, we, we are active agents in using our emotions for the better. Uh, our agents are, our emotions are not agents unto themselves. So she saw it, she screamed bloody murder when she saw it and she screamed at me to stop it, I guess, back off. And then she, uh, she sent me to my room. Now my room was in the front building of the Denver kind of space, and it, you, you got up there by going up some very narrow stairs. It was in it was in the front building at the top. Uh, there were there were several rooms at the top there. You'd go up the stairs, and then you, you I think it was right at the top of the stairs, or just a quick left or right turn, was our door. It might have been right at the top of the stairs if I recall, yeah. You'd go in the door, and there's a very small room um, with fairly sloped ceiling, you know, because it's the attic room essentially. Um, although it wasn't that high, and uh, a couple of beds were strewn about, were right up against walls there, and mine was in the corner, the far corner once you walked in the door, and um, so I obeyed Anne, um, certainly feeling bad about uh, th- flinging a kick at, at Manuel, also terrified of what was going to happen. I mean, it, in my mind, a spanking, a yelling, uh, ver- a great deal of of, of, of yelling would w- wasn't my kind of fun my idea of fun but yeah I figured there'd probably be a spanking there may be some lines um, there would probably be uh, some other punishment of some kind and so I was rather trepidatious when I got into my room and I sat there for a while and luckily for me um, I was able to while away time uh, by scratching um, things in the walls I kid of course I whiled away the time by reading I always had a book to read uh, sometimes it was from a library school library or from the local uh, Denver branch of the library, or uh, some, I'd found it like in the house somewhere, but usually it was at a, from, from a school or a public library. Had some books, read them. Don't remember the books I read. I was there for a couple of hours. This happened kind of an early afternoon, and it, was, it happened in the yard between the two houses, and it was pretty sunny that day, and the grass was dry, and, the th- and Manuel didn't get, uh, didn't get his butt wet, of course, by sitting in the grass. Um, and I don't know why I said of course. But that's the setting, um, kind of mid-afternoon. I ended up staying up there for several hours and uh, was wondering what was going to happen, uh, when the trouble was going to come. Since it took a long time, I figured it was probably going to be pretty serious trouble. Uh, again, I don't know. I didn't really know what. Um, plenty of speculation about what it would be. Um, I, I kind of mostly um, mostly expected it to be um, lines or, or a lot of yelling, maybe standing in the corner, maybe some manual labor. Uh, because... or, or a spanking there were plenty of spankings in denver by the way boy spankings happened with spoons and so that's probably one of my biggest fears at the time was that uh, ann would come up with a, a spoon or lucina or uh, gideon i think he was sometimes there or cyrus might even come up and, and bring it take a spoon to my butt uh they would usually have you pulled on your pants so that they could tell that there wasn't a book in there or extra underwear to pad it uh, and then they'd give you uh several good whacks often often at least 10 and so my guess is that that was my biggest fear. Um, it's all a bit of a blur, and here's why. So uh, the people who went out to fund, which is to go fundraise beg on the streets or go into a... At the time, they could go to the airport and ask for money there or into shopping malls or just downtown Denver. They got back. And um, I don't know if Cyrus was a funder or if he was doing something else, but he got back. I didn't know. I, I heard people come back, though. And uh, I didn't hear any voices, but I heard thundering up the stairs. Now, it's a short flight of stairs, but it was, the, the thundering sure felt like it was loud and took a long time, except for that it also took about half a second. It was a pounding up the stairs of a big person zooming up them angrily. The door was basically kicked in, and I remember hearing it go pow, excuse me, pow, as it opened and then slammed into the wall of the room as it slammed, you know, because it was opened so powerfully and swung back and then... Cyrus was standing there, and he stopped the door from from hitting him on its backswing, and he yelled some pretty colorful swear words, which I'd never heard him him yell, um, and basically said, "What the beep beepity beep? Do you think you're doing, you beepity beepity beep?" Now, before we get into what happened next, Cyrus was tall, still is six something, six and a few inches. Um he uh wasn't particularly brawny, but he was certainly bigger than me. He was also the authority fi- the main authority figure there because he was the co-leader of that branch, he and Anne. Um he uh he, he looked like a mean person. He but he always spoke in a in a calm voice except for when he was yelling and angry, but he he didn't lose his temper much. Um and he always sounded very, very kind of peace, love, and hippie, you know what I'm saying? Uh Hello, yeah, I'm Cyrus and stuff much like Gabriel would talk, except without the British accent, you know? Uh, and so big guy um, and uh, fairly big nose, uh, generally a, a stern looking feller, um, but you're big into art and big into music. You could see where Manuel was getting his music tendencies. And um, he yelled some more and then he charged me. Uh, Now, I don't know how long it took for him to get from the doorway to me, but it felt like I didn't follow because he charged me very quickly and swung a fist and um, it hit me somewhere in my body, not my face, um, and knocked me over and scared the just junk out of me. I was just, I'd never been punched before by an adult. They'd lost their temper, but they would usually turn, it would turn into some sort of scream fest or um, a smacking, a spanking with the, with a spoon. But he just punched me right somewhere that hurt a lot. And it threw me to the ground or onto my bed. And then he fell on top of me and beat the crap out of me. Um, knees, feet, fists, shouting, screaming, pounding. And I just didn't even think to cover up much. I think, I know I curled up a little bit, but I was basically just terrified, um, stunned, completely brain, completely frozen at what was happening. Couldn't even process what was happening. Uh, and uh, that was, that was what happened there. And um, yeah, it uh, wasn't good. <laughs> he, he didn't hit the face. Um, so clearly he was using some semblance of his reason. Um, didn't want to leave any kind of visible, easily visible evidence, although he left a lot of bruises. And when he was done, he, um, He left. And yelled some final epithets don't you ever do that again and that was that so here was Cyrus being a protective dad Uh, I would kicked his son and he was here to take it out on me and show me that I could I shouldn't mess with his son thanks Cyrus for being a real good dad Um, as far as I knew nobody knew what had happened as far as I knew he had come up here he'd beat the tar out of me and no adult knew no kid knew now I was eight maybe nine at the most and this had just happened to me, and it had never happened to me before. I knew, I knew that, or I had an inkling that sometimes other kids had had some, some beating. But as far as I knew, nobody had just been assaulted on and wailed on by an adult. But I just was. And that was that. I didn't have any recourse. I certainly didn't think that anybody would care to know. Um, why? Because I didn't feel like I had any safety there. I didn't feel comfortable with anybody. Everybody, all the adults were, were were the the enemy, as I said before, right? They were the adversary. They weren't there to keep me safe. They weren't there to give me comfort and teach me good lessons and help me to become a, a productive member of society who's well adjusted. They were there to do their cult work, and we kids were a bother. That's how we. That's how I saw them, at least. And so I just didn't feel like I had any kind of t- anything to say. I mean, I didn't. I felt beat. I felt hurt. Physically, emotionally, spiritually, in every way. I was bruised up and down my body and my legs. Um, I, had, I was so scared um, when it happened. And then when it was over, it was over. And as far as I knew, that was that. I didn't have anywhere to go. Uh, I couldn't report him. Although I swore up and down that I would. Um, when he was gone, of course, all those, that, that, all those thoughts came later. When he left, I threw myself on my bed and cried myself to sleep on my pillow, um, trying to get myself under control, but I ended up falling asleep. And then um, I woke up, um, just face moist and wet. It was pretty late. Uh, I, I'd missed dinner, um, and so and I'd sweat like crazy. And so I took off, I changed my clothes, and just went to bed. And in the morning, I had quite a few bruises, and I was sore. Um, and life went. On, nothing else, just that. That's all that that happened. Cyrus, the big adult, beat the tar out of little Jared, scared the crap out of him, um, and he went on as if nothing had ever happened. um, And so did I. And um, my thoughts—I didn't go on as if nothing had ever happened, though. Uh, I certainly didn't like confront him or accuse him. Um, I didn't feel like I could go to Anne or any any other adult there because I had nobody that I trusted. I had nobody who I thought would care. They'd be like, I just didn't, it wasn't even a thought that occurred to me to go tell another adult. That was this. That was the situation that I was in. I didn't think to tell a teacher. I didn't think to tell a librarian. I didn't think to tell an adult. That was the cult. This was all I knew, that they had that power over me. They could do whatever they wanted, and that was that. But in my mind, I was eventually going to get Cyrus back. I was going to find him in some dark hallway and push him down the stairs. Or I would find him, um, or I'd lay a trap for him and have him, uh, get hit by a car or something like that. Or I'd somehow be able to tell the police, uh, and they would believe me and arrest him and put him in jail. Um, but that's just because I'd seen that in like books and on TV that the police were at least kind of an authority that you could trust. Um, and I, you know, on, on some level I knew that what he'd done was, was against the law, But also, the cult was outside the law because it was the cult. They could just do whatever. And so that is how I came to have the the crap beaten out of me. And uh, it happened because Cyrus was a jerk and he also had a problem with his temper, it turns out. It didn't happen because I lost my temper. I did lose my temper and that was an event that led to it. Uh, But Cyrus made his choice. He is the owner of that choice. Um, And that is all there is to it. And I spent, uh, let's see, I'm f- from my 40s now. This happened when I was eight or nine. I spent about 30 years thinking that that had happened and nobody knew. I wrote about it in my novel. I novelized it, um, although the scene of being the kid being beaten in, in my novel is absolutely accurate. Um, to, down to everything. So if you want to read the novel and see uh, some, more, some details I've left out here, go right ahead. It's also in the memoir in full detail. Um, but I spent my whole life, 30 years, thinking that nobody knew. It turns out Mark knew. It turns out that he was downstairs in the kitchen, which was right under my room, right under the room that we all shared, us boys. And he heard Cyrus pound up the stairs, get in there, and he heard screaming and yelling and thumping and beating. And he knew, but he never said anything. That he knew about it. He never told me he heard. Never asked me how I was. Why? Because that's just not the relationship anybody had that I knew of. Um, so, but it was nice to know that at least somebody else knew. Um, so that if I ever did bring it up, like in my memoir or here in the podcast, there'd be some backup in case some trouble came around challenging it. No, nope. Yeah, hippie boy, uh, Mr. Cyrus, he beat me up. Now, I'm still praying for the gift of forgiveness for it. Uh, and I, I, know, I know I'll know i get there and I should pray harder for it. Uh, he doesn't deserve that, but my heart does. Uh, and that is where we'll stop for today. Episode uh, Part two will be tomorrow or next week. And we'll talk a little bit more about my own temper problem um, and some of, the more, some of the other trouble it got me into, even though, again, other people own their own choices. But I put myself in circumstances um, with my temper that I could have avoided if I'd been able to get my temper under control. Uh, that's where it stops for today. See what happens next. See what other trouble I get into with the next episode. And as always, tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell your coworkers, workers uh, and um, have them listen to this great podcast. Uh, it's a lot of fun, even though I'm sharing some pretty uh, personal things this time around. Thanks for listening, guys. See ya in part two of I Had a Big Problem.